So I've been talking so far this year, all three weeks of it, counting today, um, you know, that uh, about all the foundational things in our lives that God is having us do, right? You know, we started the year with being rooted and established in Christ and what that means, what that looks like. Last week, I asked the question, are you willing to actually do the work in your own life that needs to be done in order for the foundations to be placed? Because we have to kind of move things around and get some stuff out of the way and put other things in other places so that we can have the foundations in place in order for us to be able to have something that is lasting built in our lives. And the title of today's message is Starting Point. It always helps if we're going to be doing something, that we have a starting point, right? I mean, that's right. It's okay. Yes, right. I mean, it's, it's a good thing that we know where we're starting, right? So, it, it is really quiet in here today. You guys are just, man. So, Jesse's not here. That's right. It's just not as loud as normal. So, but, you know, there, there's, the, the starting point is something that we all need to know and that we can actually all begin to do so that we understand that we all begin at the same place. Now, I remember growing up and I would watch like the Olympics and, and you'd watch the 1600 meter run in the Olympics. When those runners line up and they're around the big track, to me it looked like the guy on the outside had a big time head start from the person on the inside track, right? I didn't understand, you know, that they actually measured that out. So everybody is literally starting at the same place, even though they're not starting at the same place. Does that make sense? They're all still running the exact same distance. They're still trying to get the exact same end goals. Nobody has an advantage over the other, even though it appears so from that starting position. A lot of us, we look at where we are on the track and we're like, okay, here's where I'm starting. And then we look at somebody else over here and we go, whoa, 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 that's not fair. Hang on a second, time out. How come they get to start way up there without realizing that we actually all have the same starting point, even if it appears that we might be behind someone else? Earlier this week, I saw a scripture, and it really resonated with me based on where we are as a church and what God has been speaking to us. And it was out of, out of the book of Hosea, and it says this. This is God speaking to the prophet Isaiah. He says, I said, plant the good seeds of righteousness, and you will harvest a crop of love. Plow up the hard ground of your hearts, for now is the time to seek the Lord, that he may come and shower righteousness upon you. With everything that God has been speaking to us in these first few weeks, plant the good seeds of righteousness and you will harvest a crop of love. Plow up the land, the hard ground of your hearts, for now is the time to seek the Lord that he may come and shower righteousness upon you. A lot of us can look at other people and say, yeah, I notice that they have some real hard areas of their life, but mine aren't that bad. But this verse tells us that we need to take the personal responsibility to plow up the hard ground of my own heart so that I can see 
the fruit of what has been planted. It says, now is the time to seek the Lord. Now is the time to seek the Lord. I think a lot of us sometimes, we, we love the idea of seeking God, but we don't really want to put in the effort to really seek God. Right? We live in a microwave society. I mean, I'm guilty of this. It's a, all right, God, I'm going to pray. I need my answer in 30 seconds because those are going to be, you know, it's, it's going to be hot and ready to eat as soon as that's ready. And sometimes God's a lot more like the slow cooker than he is like the microwave. And I'll tell you, when I take the time to put things in the crock pot all day long, Man, they are a whole lot better than that microwave burrito that I had at lunch. Right? Because it had the time to sit there. We've been talking about these things, about planting. We, we, we've, we, we've been talking about getting these foundations in place. And this verse says, we need to seek the Lord that he may come and shower righteousness upon us. There's something that God is wanting us to do to take our lives further into a, deep, into a deeper step and into a deeper relationship with him. Even that whole verse that we just read there, I mean, all that stuff sounds great. I mean, it's very complimentary of everything that Jesus spoke about, even what Paul spoke about in Galatians about reaping and, or about sowing and reaping. And all those things are right. But the reality is, is that how do we do this? Well, we need wisdom. We have to have wisdom in order to be able to do this well. If we were honest, how many of us could say, I could use more wisdom in my life? Right? And those of you who weren't being honest, you need more wisdom in your life. So, um, you know, really, it just goes for everybody. So, but the thing is, is that we all need more wisdom in our life. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about the idea and the reality and the biblical principle that we need to get more wisdom in our life, right? Proverbs 4, verses 5 through 7, it says this, get wisdom. It doesn't say if you want to. He's telling you, go get wisdom. Get wisdom, develop good judgment. Those two things go hand in hand. And usually I've noticed in my own life when I lack the first, I tend to also lack the second, right? Get wisdom. Develop good judgment. Don't forget my words or turn away from them. Don't turn your back on wisdom, for she will protect you. Love her, and she will guard you. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. He, Solomon here, he, he writes it twice. Get wisdom, get good judgment. And then he goes through, talks about the importance of wisdom. And then he says, and whatever else you do, develop good judgment. That's important. And so many times, I know I can fall short of that. See, the, the book of Proverbs is all about getting wisdom and how to walk in wisdom and learning how to be wise. So then the question becomes, okay, well, but now how do we actually get it? I want to give us today a couple of ways that I believe that the Bible shows us are the ways to actually begin to get wisdom. 
The first one is, is that we can actually receive wisdom through prayer and the laying on of hands through impartation. In James, it says this. It says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world and they are unstable in everything they do. Ouch. But he's telling us if we need wisdom, we have to ask God for it. So many of us need wisdom. So many of us want wisdom, but we are unwilling to actually ask God for it. We sit there and think, okay, well, I'm just going to read this other book and then I'll get more wisdom. I'm just going to go to the school of hard knocks and then I'll have more wisdom. And you gain wisdom through making terrible decisions sometimes about of what not to do. However, there is a better way to get wisdom. Pray and ask God to give it to you. And as you pray and ask God to give you wisdom, we cannot have it the attitude of the microwave. God, I need wisdom. Oh, he didn't give it to me. All right, I'm just going to go for it. Take a minute. God, I need wisdom in this situation. What is it that you're wanting to speak to me right now and how I need to handle this? And if you're not sure, go to your Bible and read it. Because it's amazing how God brings the word of life to life into our lives when we decide to read it. The wisdom of God is inside our Bible and we have to find ourselves there. Now, the other way to get wisdom in, in this, you know, it talked about through prayer and then laying on of hands through impartation. In Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 9, it says this. This is right after Moses was was getting ready to die and he was, he was turning everything over to Joshua. He says, now Joshua, son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the people of Israel obeyed him doing just as the Lord had commanded Moses. You see, you, you can actually help impart wisdom and that spirit of wisdom into people if you have it, not because you are anything, but because the Holy Spirit that lives in you is able to be released through you to others. Joshua was full of the spirit of wisdom for, another word for that is because Moses had laid his hands on him. I mean, there's been some people I've wanted to lay some hands on to impart some wisdom, but that's not what God was talking about. Right? I'm sure we've all probably been there. But he laid his hands on him and he gave him what he had and he imparted the spirit of wisdom. The Apostle Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 16 through 18, he's talking to the church there in Ephesus, and he says, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly. Asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called his holy people who are rich, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. The apostle Paul is saying right here, he's saying, I, I, I pray for you that you may grow in your knowledge of God and I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand. 
He's praying for them to be given wisdom in everything that they do. Because he understands that life is hard. And what did John Wayne say? Life is even harder if you're stupid. Is that right? <laughs> but life is hard. We need wisdom in everything that we do. We need people praying for us to have wisdom. We need to be asking God like James told us to. And we need to have people who are willing to impart wisdom into us. It's not a one or the other, an either or. It's an all of the above. We need to be doing these things so that we can gain the wisdom of God that he has told us to get a hold of so that we can be wise in everything that we do. See, the second way to get wisdom is to understand that Jesus is wisdom. Scripture says that Jesus is wisdom. Now, some are going, well, but I don't know about that. I mean, you know, what about this verse and this verse and whatever? No, stop. Just the Bible tells us Jesus is wisdom. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26, the Apostle Paul writes this to the church in Corinth. He says, Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things that the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they're wise. We're going to stop here for a second. Do you realize that he just kind of insulted them and complimented them at the same time? Most of you were not very wise in the world's eyes. And the reality is, is that God used the people who they thought were idiots, to do something incredible. That's what he said. So if you think of yourself as somebody who's not wise, who's maybe an idiot, you're in good company with people that the Bible talks about. And don't sell yourself short because the Bible says he is going to use the foolish things in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he says here, he goes, and he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and he used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. For our benefit, God made him, talking about Jesus, to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God and he made us pure and holy and he freed us from sin. Therefore, as the scripture says, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. Human nature is, is that when, even when like we, we think too less, too, too little of ourselves. and then people begin to compliment us and we begin to think that we're something special, Human nature is, is for us to think that we are wisdom. But the reality is, is that Paul says it right here. He says, man, you guys need to do this stuff. You need to do this. You need to do this. But you need to also understand God made Jesus himself wisdom. He made Jesus wisdom. So we need to have more of Jesus in everything that we do. In Colossians chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, it says this. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. 
You want to have more wisdom? Get to know Jesus better. If we want to have more wisdom, we need to know Jesus more and more and more. Because in Jesus, all wisdom and all treasures are hidden in him. If you guys are like me, then a lot of times I want all the benefits without actually having to do any of the stuff to get it. That old story that, you know, many of us were probably read to as, as, as a child, you know, about the, the little red hen, you know, who used to go out and ask everybody who was going to help her make all the meal. Nobody wanted to actually help do all the stuff, but they all sure wanted to eat it. And so many of us treat God that way. Jesus, I just want all the benefits of your wisdom. I don't actually want to get to know you more because that's going to reveal some of the ugly stuff in me that I'm okay with at the moment. But we need to actually put in the effort to know him more. And see, the great thing about that is that God's not doing that to shame us, to show, oh, look how ugly your sin is. No, it's none of that. God is doing these things because as we compare ourselves to the perfect one, we recognize where we fall short and we recognize more and more and more and more our need for him. Because without him, I can do nothing. Apart from him, I am nothing. And the more I know him, the more I have to know him. The prophet Isaiah, speaking about Jesus, prophesying about Jesus in, in Isaiah chapter 11, it says this, And the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He will delight in obeying the Lord. He will not judge by appearance nor make a decision based on hearsay. He will give justice to the poor and make fair decisions for the exploited. The earth will shake at the force of his word. And one breath from his mouth will destroy the wicked. He will wear righteousness like a belt and truth like an undergarment. This is who Jesus is. And Isaiah is prophesying about Jesus 600 years ahead of time. Talking about when the Messiah comes, these things are going to be done. And this is who he is. He will be clothed. He will be the spirit of wisdom and understanding. I want to know Jesus so much that I can have the mind of Christ working in my life. So not only do we need to pray for wisdom, have other people pray for us for wisdom, not only do we need to recognize that Jesus is wisdom itself, but now comes the practical part where we actually have to begin to walk out wisdom in our life. That part is sometimes a little bit harder because I can know it all day up here, but am I willing to put what I know up here let it go down into my heart so that it actually comes out in my actions and in my words. Am I willing to allow the wisdom of God to be so much part of my life that I can begin to walk in the wisdom? Going back to the book of James in chapter 3, it says this, If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. 
For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. That sounds a whole lot like what we read there from Hosea at the beginning. And it talks about the importance of having wisdom and walking wisdom out by living a life that shows that we are dependent on God and that we are making wise choices. It doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. It doesn't mean we're never going to make mistakes, but we are actually taking the time to ask ourselves the question before we respond, is this wise? My mouth gets me in trouble more than anything else. From the nervous laughter, I'd say some of you are the same. Before you decide to respond, ask yourself, is this wise? And if the answer is no, then make a wise choice and do something different. I can't tell you how many times, especially early on when, when Chrissy and I were married, early on in our, in our relationship, we are both very... I won't say stubborn, but we're stubborn. We are both very, very stubborn people. We both like to be right because we're both always right. And so, so there were times when we would have discussions, all right, as, as, as married people do, that we were both kind of vying for who's going to win the argument. I knew all the right answers of even if I win, I lose, but it didn't matter. You know, I'm still going to try to win. And there were times that she would say something and right as I'm getting ready with my rebuttal, the Holy Spirit would be like, is this a wise thing to do? And I'm like, nope, but I'm going for it anyway, you know. And I caused myself way more problems by being unwise instead of by being wise. And the same thing is true of our actions and the things that we do. We have to make sure that we are being wise in everything that we do. Now, we also I want to make a caveat here too, because some people will some people will use fear and let it pretend to be wisdom. Well, it wouldn't be wise for me to go and take this trip because it might put me out of my comfort zone. No, that's just being fearful. There's a difference. Don't let fear masquerade as wisdom. And the only way that you actually know if you're acting out in wisdom or out of fear, ask the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus tells us that when the Spirit of truth comes, he will lead us into all truth. And then sit there and say, okay, so maybe I am a little bit fearful here. But I know I need to make this, I know I need to do this, I need to step into this, I need to go into this, but that terrifies me because this is so comfortable. But the wisdom says I need to do it. Not because it's the best financial move, but because the spirit of wisdom, Jesus himself said, 
This is the move I need to make. So I'm going to step on in, even though I'm afraid, but I'm going to trust in wisdom to do the right thing. My iPad's not opening, sorry, hold on. (laughs) See, that passage that we just read there out of James, it also talks about how Wisdom does not live with bitterness or selfish ambition. It is not wise to live with bitterness or selfish ambition. I'm going to say it again because some of us really need to hear this. It is not wise, it is not wisdom to live with bitterness or selfish ambition. The reality is, is that the Bible tells us in those verses there that if we have those things ruling in our life, if we have bitterness ruling, if we have selfish ambition ruling in our life, self-centeredness, everything's about us. How is this going to affect me? When that becomes our motivation within that and we have bitterness toward people, toward God, toward a situation, When we have allowed those things to take root in our lives, it says those things are actually demonic and we've opened the door for the enemy to have free reign in our life. Some of us are struggling with where we are in our relationship with God because we have decided to allow bitterness into our life more than we've allowed wisdom into our life. Some of us would rather be selfish rather than selfless and then we wonder why our life is going to hell in a handbasket. Because we've decided that I would rather be right. I would rather be justified than allowing Jesus, who is wisdom itself, to be magnified and glorified in my life. Those verses there, it said that when we allow those things, bitterness and self-centeredness, it says that your life is filled with disorder and evil. Be honest with yourself. Don't raise your hand. Be honest with yourself. Not me. I don't care. I mean, really. But, you know, but be honest with yourself and ask yourself, what areas of my life am I allowing selfishness and am I allowing bitterness to rule? And then be honest and ask yourself, yeah, there's probably a lot of disorder there. I bet those things don't actually go the way that we hoped they were going to go. And then if you're as stubborn as I am, we tend to just double down on those things. (laughs) I'm going to do it more. It'll be all right. Eventually, if I dig this hole deep enough, I'm going to come out the other side. It's not usually how it works. When we allow those things to lead us instead of wisdom, we have to understand that it's a trap that wants to bind us and keep us from stepping into the fullness of everything that God has called each of us to step into. So maybe these principles, the realities of saying, yeah, okay, you know, you can pray for wisdom. We can understand that Jesus is wisdom and that I need to start making better decisions in my life. Maybe these things sound great, but some of us I know are undoubtedly asking, okay, well, Chris, that that sounds good, but you said the starting point. What is the starting point? Well, I'm going to end with the starting point. 
just because. No, um, but uh, I'm, I'm going to end with the starting point because the ending of today is the starting point for the next several week, weeks whenever I speak. And if we want to get wisdom, then the reality is, is that we have to have the starting point of fearing God. In Psalm chapter 111, verse 10, it says, For the fear of the Lord is the foundation of true wisdom, and all who obey his commandments will grow in wisdom. Praise him forever. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. I'm going to read it out of three different translations. This is out of the Passion Translation, and it says, The starting point for acquiring wisdom is to be consumed with awe as you worship Jehovah God. To receive the revelation of the Holy One, you must come to the One who has living understanding. Out of the New Living Translation, it says this. It says, Fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. And in, in the ESV, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. We've been talking about ever since this year began, about being rooted and established, about foundations, about starting points. And it's all right there in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. And that's what I'm going to begin to speak on next week. That's why this is called the starting point, because I know all of us have a desire to have wisdom and to have more of it, but the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And we have to understand what that means. We also need to understand what it doesn't mean. Because some of us probably have really messed up ideas about what the fear of the Lord is or what it isn't. And now it's time for us to get a real biblical understanding and say, this is what this means because I need more wisdom. So I need to make sure that my starting point is recognizing who God is and knowing who he is and giving him the honor that is due to him. I know this morning some of us are probably going, man, I don't know if I really liked this message a whole lot. There's a whole lot of going, shoot. Well, I figure that when God is revealing these things to me in my life, misery loves company. So, you know, it's not. It's a, but, but as God is beginning to show me these things, I know that I'm not the only one who deals with them. And, and, and I also know that it's our responsibility it's my responsibility as your pastor to say, hey, we need to know the truth of this. And we need to understand what this is. And we need to look at this because there is so much falsehood in the world today. And I want to make sure that I give us a very biblical understanding of what these things are so that our foundation is firm in everything that we do. Does that make sense this morning? Let's go ahead and stand, and we're, we're going to pray and be dismissed. We have snacks out in, in, the, in the fellowship hall. If you'd love to st stick around, we'd love to have you and just get to know you better. If you need prayer for anything after we, after we dismiss, please come up and get prayer. We have people up here who would love to pray with you. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior and you would like to today, come and talk to me because I want to pray with you because that is a decision that will change your life for eternity. Father, we love you. We thank you. God, I, I, just, I just want to say thank you for teaching us about wisdom and for letting us understand that we need wisdom. God, that we can pray for it, 
that we need to recognize that Jesus is wisdom so we can know Jesus more? God, I, I just ask that right now that you would just solidify these things of your spirit into our life. God, I ask that as we go about this week that we would just be able to chew on these things over and over again and say, I need more wisdom so that we can learn how to walk it out properly. God, I ask that you would just begin to create a desire inside of us that just says, I want to understand the fear of the Lord so that I can know wisdom. God, there is none like you. You are worthy. You are worthy of everything I have, of everything that I am. And God, I just want to give you those things today. God, I ask that you would just, that your presence would just touch every single person who is here, every family represented. Not everybody who is part of Life Church that wasn't able to make it today. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would just grab hold of them in a new way this week that they never even thought possible. God, you're so good and we love you. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Guys, you're dismissed. Have a wonderful week. If you need prayer, we'll have people up here who'd love to pray with you. And otherwise, we will see you all next Sunday.